Warning, the following podcast has been classified as insanely lucrative. Listener discretion is advised. Not having a serious email address. Okay, so if you're using a Yahoo address or an AOL address or Gmail or anything like that, something that's not your business, it's showing that you're not... Your attention, please. Please. Listening to the AMPM podcast may cause recurring revenue streams and unfair unfair advantages over your competitors. Other side effects may include better wallets, fired bosses, and longer vacations. Listen at your own risk. Here's your host, seven-figure entrepreneur and online marketing madman, Manny Coates. Manny Coates. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the AMPM podcast. My name is Manny Coates, and I will be your host. And this is the show where we discuss how to generate recurring revenue streams 24 hours per day during the AM and the PM, hence the name of the show, AMPM podcast. As a matter of fact, today is Cinco de Mayo, and I'm pretty confident that I'm going to be going out to have a Corona or two, maybe a margarita, some carne asada tacos, things that I love. And while stuffing my face with those things, I will be making money. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. So we have to wait just a second as Guillermo is over there getting photos taken by the paparazzi. And here he is, my trusty co-host and the guy that cracks the whip and ensures that I get these podcasts out, at least on a somewhat regular basis, Guillermo Puyol! Guy, how the heck are you doing today on this Cinco de Mayo? I'm doing awesome, honey. How are you? I'm doing great, man. That paparazzi is all over you. You're getting popular suddenly on this uh, Amazon FBA private label niche industry business. <laughs> it's, it's just because I hang out with you, man. That's all. <laughs> all right, man. So this is Thursday Q&A. We have two questions. And if I read my notes correctly, we have two audio questions. Is that not right? That's correct. All right. So... Um, As everybody knows, unless you're a first-time listener, we always have our two Q&A questions, but we also have Manny's two questions to Guillermo. Sometimes they're even hypotheticals. But Guillermo, are you ready for your first question? I'm ready. Hey, guys, this is not the Q&A question. This is Guillermo's question. So here we go, Guy. If you could have... Only one meal for the rest of your life. What would it be? And tell us why. Man, one meal for the rest of my life. And we're talking about breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, holidays, forever. It would probably be some sort of um, granola, nutty bar kind of thing. (laughs) Something that has some some fruits, some nuts. Why not Uh, pizza? Pizza has all the the food groups, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it does have all the food groups, but I don't, don't want to roll my way through life, you know? I'm gonna just... <laughs> Too many calories? Come on. I uh, guess so. All right, all right. So let's get serious here. Let's go into question one of the Q&A. Guy, take it away. All right. This one comes from Paul. 
he actually recorded it on AMPM podcast on Ask Manny. So here's the audio. Roll tape. Gentlemen, thanks a lot for your podcast. I stumbled across you on Stitcher after uh, listening to another PL podcast for about 200 episodes. I uh, love your no bullshit type of an approach. And, uh, you know, who could turn down Guillermo's sexy ass accent? Hey, guys, I have for quite a while been looking for sort of bunny scratcher type of products. Um, I've got Jungle Scout. I've been very successful at finding lots and lots of products that fall into that category. My real challenge in my question for you guys is what do I do about Alibaba? I have sent over 150 emails, 40 in one day, one time. Um, on this stable of 60 products that I believe would fit into that sort of bunny scratcher approach where you're doing three to five sales a day in a thin, uh, thinly contested market. Um, and I'm getting no responses. I mean, all the only responses I get are from whoever they sold the email list to. Um, sometimes uh, if I do get a response, it's three to five weeks later. And uh, I don't know if they think that that product is going to be such a low seller that they don't put any eyeballs on it, they don't care. But, you know, it also seems like they're unrealistic about the price that they want for it because they know it's going to be a relatively low-selling product. So do you have any advice or anything you'd like to share? Really appreciate it. Thanks. My name is Paul. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> Why are you laughing, Guy? The sexy accent. <laughs> I mean, I know, I know. I have a very sexy accent, but... It's it's funny when when a dude points it out. <laughs> <laughs> All sure. right, so uh, okay, where do we start with this one? Um, I'm probably going to get uh, some serious input from you, Guy, but if you don't mind, um, I'm going to take a shot at it. Is that cool? Go for it. Yeah. All right. So, why would Alibaba companies or the companies on Alibaba not get back to you um, in any kind of serious time frame? I have a few thoughts that come to mind. Okay, and first, let me say that this hasn't really happened to me, um, so. I'm going to kind of step outside a little bit and, and figure out what I would be doing uh, or what I, I could be doing, I guess, that would cause that. So the first thing that comes to mind, and I think you, you probably are thinking the same thing, is the email address. Is that what you were thinking? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So not having a serious email address. Okay. So if you're using a Yahoo address or an AOL <laughs> address or Gmail or anything like that, something that's not your business, it's showing that you're not really that serious, right? So if you're representing... You know, if your company is uh, company XYZ, you should have an email. Your email should be your name at company XYZ or business at XYZ or product purchases at XYZ something, right? So definitely get an email address that is related to your company. It doesn't cost that much. Yeah, it's it's cheap. It's going to make you look serious. Get that going uh, to stop using your, your Gmail accounts. And so when you're uh, setting up your account over at Alibaba, Make sure that you update that information in there if you've already used a, a Gmail account. Another thing that could probably be hurting you is, is you don't sound serious when you're contacting them. So we don't know the you know the email. We haven't seen the email that you actually send out to these these companies. But you know you should probably be using our email template. We had an email template on episode eight. Is that what it was, Guy? Yes, episode eight. So on the AMPM podcast episode eight, we have an actual email template that you can just copy and paste, just kind of change the uh, change your information on there, your names, and, and adjust the questions as needed. But it's already done for you. Just send that out. And it's a serious email. It asks very specific questions about their products, and it um, 
it shows that that you're serious. If you're contacting them and you're just saying, hey, send me up your pricing or send me your catalog or, you know, some just basic stuff. There's a million people that are doing that every single day. OK, if you're not composing your email correctly, it just looks like you're some some Yahoo that's that's not a serious company. And, and they're probably going to skip that one, especially if they come in in the morning and they've got 400 emails to go through, which they probably do. They're going through them as quickly as possible. They're probably uh, organizing them in in order of who they think is a, a potential a gold mine, essentially, who's going to be giving them a lot of business. OK, let's see. The other thing would probably be, um, are you signing? I mean, this is a small one, but, you know, are you signing your company name and, and your position at the end of your email? That Again, that's in the template, but a lot of people don't do that. They'll just be like, hey, thanks. They won't even put their name on there. But make sure you do that. You know, say sincerely, Manny Coates, comma, purchasing manager, company XYZ or whatever, whatever designation or title you want to give yourself. Guy, anything you want to add on the things I brought up or anything else that you can think of? I think you're right on the money, man. I think it's just a, we are making a lot of assumptions and we are, if, if we're completely wrong, Paul, let us know. But if our assumptions are correct, I think that it's just a perception from the supplier's uh, point of view. If they think that you're not serious, then they're not going to waste their time responding to you. Yeah. One final thing that would be potentially, um, you mentioned the bunny scratcher type of markets. Okay. So in, in those case, in those cases, um, you're talking about very limited suppliers. Okay. Um, like in my case, my bunny scratcher product, as we call it, um, I have one competitor. Okay. And this also means that the total number of sales per day on a product like that is probably going to be 20 or 30 per day as the whole market, okay? The whole thing, that's a maximum amount that you can get if you own 100% of it, okay? And since these products are so specialized, it could be that there just aren't enough companies that make these products, okay? Or maybe even uh, those that, that did, they're showing up on Alibaba at some point where they had them. Maybe they've discontinued them so they just don't respond to any emails that you're sending them uh, related to that product. You know, I got lucky with my Bunny Scratcher product. I contacted a few companies that made these, uh, and there weren't very many, by the way, and only two of them got back to me. So I got samples from both of them, and they were both decent. They were actually, <laughs> they were both pretty much the same thing, and my choice at the end was just based on on pricing. And oh, and also the uh, flexibility of the companies to work with me on their uh, MOQ, their minimum order quantity, right? So that could be the other thing you know you're just you're in, you've niched it down so specifically that they've either discontinued that product and but they're still listing on Alibaba or they just don't see that there's any real profit potential especially if your email going out to them has super low MOQs like if you're saying I want 500 units but it's only costing you you know 50 cents per unit they're thinking you know 250 dollars um, for for an order just isn't worth really uh, spending any time on it so that's all I got to say about that Guy. Cool. I think I think that's good, and hopefully, Paul, uh, that helps you out. Cool. All right. Question number two for Guillermo from Manny. All right, Guy. No, no, no. I think I think we need to change it up, man. I have one for you. Come on, that's not the way it works. <laughs> I you, know. Do you really have one for me? I do. Oh no. All right. Go for it. Are you ready? Yes. All right. So, thirty wolves in a field. Twenty-eight sheep. How many didn't? Wait, your accent is so thick, I didn't get that. 30 wolves in the field, 28 sheep? Sheep. Uh-huh. How many didn't? 20, how many didn't? Is this a riddle? <laughs> 30, Think about it. 30 wolves in a field, 28 sheep. How many didn't? You're going to have to get back to, the, to that one, Manny. No, now I'm... 
Now you got me going. I don't get it. Hang on. Is this something your kids told you? <laughs> it is. It is, and it's it's actually pretty pretty good. Thirty wolves in a field, twenty-eight sheep. How many didn't? Oh, I got it. Thirty wolves in the field, twenty wolves, eight sheep. Twenty-eight sheep. How many didn't? So that would be ten. Exactly. Good job. Man. That's pretty good. It only took me. Uh, we we killed a minute on this thing. I will definitely edit this down, guys. All right. Yeah, that did actually take me at least a minute. Okay, so, Gee, man. All right, what's I, up? I, I got to ask you your question. Oh, I, come I, on. I, I, know, I know people want to uh, get into the Q&A, so we're going to make this fast. But this is a very serious question. Normally, they're really goofy, super serious. If there was a, a rhinoceros and there was just a crap ton of ducks, okay, they were going to battle to the death. How many ducks would it take to finally kill that full-grown rhino? How many ducks would it take to kill the rhino? Man, I have no clue if they're if they're all jumping. Uh, Five hundred ducks. That's right. You got it perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> you no. know this for a fact, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I know that's a really weird question. All right, let's get serious here, Guy. Question number two on the Q and A. Hit me. This one comes from. Jason Stone, uh, we had actually answered that question uh, in the previous podcast, and he sent us a follow-up question. Okay. Uh, so let's go ahead and, and listen to it and see what we can do to help. Hey, man, Angie, this is Jason Stone. Thanks for answering my other question. I had a follow-up question, which I think that you came close to answering. So part of what I was getting at was the fact that Let's just say that you have the ultimate product. You're in a niche by yourself. There's not a lot of competition. You know that you can make uh, money on it. And, and that, that product idea you think is like, let's say a 10 of a 10, um, what would be the minimum, uh, you know, rating on a scale of one to 10 that you think someone could still pursue, particularly as an initial product? Um, my thoughts being that let's say a five of a 10 is something that you see has, it has enough demand and there is some competition there, but you think that you can get in there and sell some and that, when you've looked at the numbers, you think you're definitely going to be able to make some uh, profit, but you don't know whether you're going to be getting anywhere close, for example, to the 50% margins, or you don't know for sure whether you're going to be able to hit 10 a day, make $10 off your sales. So uh, my question for you guys is, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being run away, screaming, 10 being it's the, the golden goose, uh, You know what uh, level of a product would you encourage people to take action on or versus just keep looking for another option? Thanks. Thank you, Jason, for that question. Yee, I'm always nervous when people start throwing scales of one to 10 on things, right? Because it's, they're so, they're so different for everybody. What you might find a, a 10, I might find a two and vice versa, right? I think um, he definitely has uh some sort of reservations on maybe he's not finding what he considers a perfect 10. So he's trying to see how low should he go in, in that, in that scale he has. So maybe instead of using a subjective scale from one to 10, uh, a few parameters of what you consider a, a go or a, or a no go would be helpful. Okay. Well, l- let me use his parameters actually. So I would say, okay, on a scale of one to 10, when do you pull that trigger? Okay. 
with a 10 being a sure bet? I would say that depends, okay? I would first actually ask, is there really a 10 for a product? I guess the way I look at it is, um, I suppose if you dominate 100% of the market and nobody can compete with you because of, um, let's say a patent, or you've created something that's so awesome and cool um, that there's the inability for people to actually make that product, okay? On top of those two things, okay, you control 100% of it. There's also sufficient sales to meet the financial criteria that you're looking for, okay? Let me say that again. There's sufficient sales to meet the financial criteria that you're looking for. Then that, in my case, would be a 10, okay? Everything else would be a less than a 10. So let me think about this. Um, okay, yeah, so in the question that we just answered um, previously with Paul, right? We were talking about the bunny scratcher type product. And for, for those of you that are brand new, never heard of the bunny scratcher, I know I kind of went into it, but this means it's a product essentially that there's very little demand for, but there's also almost no competition, okay? So you can jump into something that's super niche, super weird. I mean, you've gotten it down to something where you're, you're shooting for low volume, but you, it's, very, it's almost, it's easy money, okay? So um, it also means that I might go below the $10 profit level per, per unit, that I've set for myself. I always tell people, you know, shoot for that $10 profit. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not the first one that, that came up with that. Scott Volker was talking about, that's probably where I learned it from initially, was that $10 profit per, per unit. And I think it's good, you know, I mean, but it just happens to fall within the percentages that I like. It's 25% of what I sell. Most of my stuff is about 40 bucks. So $10, that's what I teach. But anyways, it's free money, right? So let's just say, for example, that the bunny scratcher makes me $8 profit per unit and I can sell five units per day with virtually no competition, okay? Eight units times uh, five units, or sorry, $8 times five units, that's $40 per day. So that's $1,200 in profit per month, okay? I would go for that right away. It doesn't fall within the criteria that I normally go for. I mean, it's only five units per day and it's under that $10, but there's no competition. But you have to kind of step outside of the, the norm, I guess, what everybody teaches and what's normal, right, uh, for, for your criteria and look at the whole picture. And that looks like something that, that is good. I would do it. So um, as a matter of fact, I was making what, I don't know, maybe a few sales per week when I started with my bunny scratcher idea. And I was like, mm, I don't know if it's going to work, but eventually it grew to a pretty substantial amount. In fact, last month um, it sold over 267 units, no, no, 260 units, 267 units, I believe was the actual number last month alone. Okay. That's across the variations of that product. So, gee, that's over $2,000 in profit for me after pay-per-click spend. 2000 for a product that does not fall within the criteria that I normally teach. So For a super obscure product, yeah. A super obscure product, right. Okay, so we're now talking about, I mean, 267 units a month is um, a little less than 10 units per day. So, it's not, a, it's not a home run by any means. But to me, this is nearly a, a 10 product, okay? I mean, I would, I'd call it probably an 8 I would say it's an eight, which is pretty high for me. Um, I would probably push it to a nine if it generated five figures per month. And I'd probably almost for sure push it to a 10 if it could generate six figures uh, per month in sales. Okay, but it doesn't. It generates, um, you know, four figures per month in sales. So uh, anyways, uh, earlier I mentioned that the score would uh, be assigned in a way that is heavily based on there being sufficient sales to meet the financial criteria that I'm looking for. I mentioned that a couple times, right? This is really important. I want to talk about this. So think about this. For me, okay, a product that generates uh, $2,000 in pure profit every month really isn't a 10. 
okay? I just talked about it, right? I said it's an eight, but I would go to a nine or a 10 if it, if it made more. But it's just, for me, that $2,000 a month, it's not scaled out large enough. I, I, wanna, I wanna get something that'll be bigger. So, um, I, you know, I wanna dump tons, tons of money uh, into the uh, inventory of this product and drive tons of pay-per-click and just grow it out. But I can't because the market's just not there. There's not enough people searching for this product. But now let's flip it over a little bit. Let's think of this 18-year-old college kid that's just jumped into private label for the first time, right? And they've got, he's got, let's just say, he's the one that came out with this bunny scratcher that I'm selling. So he's making the same uh, product and he's making $2,000 profit per month. To him, that could be a solid 10, Okay, and think about this, you know, it just, it might be the maximum amount of money that he can actually float. So there is no, you know, it's not at an eight for him. That's, that's it. That's the maximum. And $2,000 profit to a college kid is probably pretty solid. And by the, by float, you, do you want to explain the float? What, we, what yeah. we mean by that when we say a float? Yeah. One of the things that a lot of people don't consider is how much it costs to actually carry the inventory and in many cases, the inventory literally floats because it, if you're shipping it by sea, you're waiting for all that time from the time where you order and pay for the for the inventory for it to get shipped by sea or, or in many cases by air. Uh, and all of that is a delay where you're not making money. That, that money just sitting there and you have to be able to carry that inventory cost without any profits. Then it arrives to Amazon it's going to take a little time for it to get processed into your inventory, uh, get the sales going, and it's going to be uh, a couple of weeks until Amazon pays you for for that inventory. So there's three um, to five weeks where you're just out of money and you have to be able to have enough money to buy, especially the second order can be the most painful one because you're trying to not run out of inventory, but then you haven't gotten paid for the first one yet and you have to order another one. So you have to take those those things into consideration. Uh, and that's what Manny uh, is referring to with float in the inventory. Yeah, it, it could be it could be brutal. I mean, if you have $2,000 to start with and you just paid that, full, you spent all $2,000 of it, or let's say, you know, the majority of it on inventory and it came in, you spent a little bit more on getting some reviews and, and a little bit of pay-per-click. So your 2000 is spent, right? And it's starting to sell and you're like, man, you're gonna make back, let's say you can even double your money, you're gonna make $4,000 back, right? Which you're gonna reinvest fully. The problem with that is, you know, in order to order double the amount of inventory, right? You're gonna have to spend, you're gonna be spending um, several thousand dollars, okay? But you can't do that, as Guy just mentioned, until you get paid and you can't, you're not gonna get paid for, you know, the, the amount that you need until all of those units are sold and then until that pay period comes where Amazon pays you. And then you place your order with the supplier and then the supplier, typically, if you have a, a, a good custom private label product, doesn't just have the stuff on stock. It's not like, oh yeah, we'll ship it out tomorrow. They're gonna say, yeah, well, it's gonna be 15 days or 20 days before they actually finish it. And then your option is to probably order it via Express Air to get it over in another you know, five to seven days maybe eight days, right? So it's just, you have to, in that case, you have to be able to have the money to to be able to expand, um, you know, that float. You, you need more than the initial order. So anyways, going back to, to what I was saying, for an 18-year-old college kid, my eight rating for the bunny scratcher, for them, that might be a solid 10. So, you know, determine how much you want to make and guys, more importantly, how much you can afford to make. I know a lot of people don't say that, right? How much can you afford to make? 
And it's a really good question you have to ask yourself. I know it sounds weird, but if you come out with a great product, you're, you might find yourself in a position where the demand exceeds your financial ability to, to keep up with that demand. If you're out of inventory for a month because of all of this, you know, you lose all your rankings. It, it just becomes pretty brutal. I think that would be a situation, uh, like I said, it would be of the problems to have with, with private label, too much demand is definitely one of the better ones because yeah. you can always be creative with the, with the financing. If you have a, a really good product, you can always, money is really not that hard to come, to come by if you have a good, a good solid product to sell. So you can uh, do anything from finding a partner to getting a loan to, uh, even Amazon does uh, small business loans. So that problem wouldn't be the worst one to have, honestly but it's definitely something to consider. Yeah, and I don't know if that answers Jason's question. You know, I mean, at what point do you actually pull the trigger? I guess it's it's just really, it's relative to, to where you are in, in the business and, and your finances and competition and, and a million things. What you might rate a five, somebody else might say, hey, this is an eight or a nine, or, or I might say it's a perfect product. Um, I know that for sure, my bunny scratcher, if, if I were to put it all on paper and stuff and showed people initially, they would have been like, yeah, that's not a good product. You know, stay away from it. Now, um, just to just to make sure that we we're answering the the question as thoroughly as possible, Manny, is there a number, for example, of reviews on a, any given product that would be a a deal breaker? Like the the number one competitor, or the top three competitors have a thousand plus reviews or three thousand plus reviews, or is there? Um, a price point that you'll never go under because I think those parameters will help uh, Jason a little better than kind of the subjective one through 10 scale. Is there any kind of input you have? I Again, I think it all depends. Um, I, I would say that if you're going into a niche where all the sales are dominated by one big seller, right? One brand and they've got a thousand reviews then that would probably be, uh, that would be something that I would definitely stay away from or almost always stay away from. I, I shouldn't say always or definitely for sure because there's there's scenarios where that might not be the case. You know, they're complicated scenarios. We won't go into those. But if it's like, you know, you got your top 10 uh, sellers in this particular niche and there's room for you and you're like, you know what? I would like to get in there and get a percentage uh, of these sales. And the top one has a thousand reviews and then they drop from there and, you know, the bottom one has 40. I would consider getting into that for sure. I don't think, I think when people say, oh, you know, products have more than 300 reviews, you got to stay away. I think that's probably a safe way of looking at stuff because there's so many products out there, right? There's millions of products and, and ideas you can come up with. So why jump into something that is over, uh, that's overly complicated or saturated with reviews and stuff when you might be able to jump into something where, uh, for example, my bunny scratcher idea, one of the cool things about it was there was only one competitor, but the number of reviews that he had, uh, or she, I'm not, I'm not sure who owns it, um, but it was very low, right? Um, so it was easy for me to actually generate more reviews, uh, product reviews than, than they had. Um, in terms of going below a certain amount, I certainly wouldn't get into a market where everything is priced super aggressively and it looks like it's a race to the bottom, you know, when it comes to pricing. You don't want to be in that situation. You want to, you want to have a product that um, your private label version is different than everybody else's so that you don't have to compete on price. They can keep dropping their price, but your product is 
differentiated enough and it's got enough cool things that people would be willing to pay more for your product than they would for the others. So there's a lot of stuff. It's hard to answer this question. Um, you know, what makes it a good product? Because we, we've covered this in podcasts and it's it takes several podcasts, full podcasts, to actually choose a product to figure out all the criteria, you know, from reviews to sales numbers to the, the whole gamut, right? Packaging, everything. Yeah, and uh, I, I think that's good. And, and again, Jason, if you haven't listened to all the all the episodes, uh, definitely go through at least episodes uh, five to 10. Those go through the entire product selection process and, and coming up with ideas. Uh, that should help. And my best advice is just pull the trigger, man. Just get started. That's I think that's the best way to learn is to actually do it. Yeah, I agree. I think too many people will get stuck in that panic mode where they're like, oh man, I, I got to get this right or I got to get this perfect. And and um, they just never pull the trigger. I think there's a fine line though, right? You you can be too eager and jump into stuff without enough research and then you kind of get hosed, right? Because you're like, oh man. And that, that kind of happened with me with my first product, which didn't work out. But there's also the, those people that, you know, they're six months in and they still haven't pulled the trigger because they just don't pull the trigger. People just don't do, a, do it a lot of times. So um, you just got to do it. Right, got to get out there and start that business. Yeah, Guy, anything else? Uh, no, as always, I ask that you check out the, the well, uh, review the pod- podcast on on iTunes. Send your questions in. We love getting these audio questions; a lot more engaging. And be join, uh, be sure to join our Facebook group, the FBA High Rollers. You can find it by going to ampmpodcast.com, and it's going to be on the sidebar. It's an awesome group in there. Um, that's one of the things that uh, a lot of people don't know is that we post videos. Um, usually I go in there and I'll post a video on something pretty cool um, that you can't see anywhere else. Okay, so it's not available on our AMPM podcast site. It's only in the Facebook group. So definitely join the Facebook group so you don't miss those. And uh, check me out on Periscope at Manny Coates. Follow me there and, and I'll, I can answer your questions live uh, on video. Cool, cool. Thank you for listening, guys. Take care, everybody. You've been listening to the AMPM podcast hosted by Manny Coates. For more information, insider insider tools, tools, and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit ampmpodcast.com.